Anyway, so we had some great uh, things happen last week with Pastor Brett and Scotty Lindner here for the weekend. Everyone, anyone that was here had a great time. God did some amazing things, and I'll share a couple of those as we, as we journey through the message today. But uh, normally, normally uh, this time of the year, we're starting to really fire up, and we've gone through February where I've been able to share vision. But this year, it's sort of been that we've been so busy in our life and doing things for Jesus that January gone, who, who, who was awake in January? Not me. Who was alive in February and remembers February? No, no one remembers February, right? We're already in March. So we're already starting to fly along, and here we are doing a vision series in March. Three weeks, I'm going to talk to you about where we're at as a church, a church update. Next week, I'm going to talk about um, around the area of finance and structure. You might think that's boring, but being with our AGM, it gives me a chance to speak into that for the whole church, and then I, I can try and keep the AGM to around an hour instead of three hours like last year. All right? and then, uh, but this, this year, we're going to keep that really, really short because I'm going to be able to share some things over this series. And then, uh, and then the third week of that, we're going to talk around um, the vision of the CRC, that's the movement that we belong to, and the strategic directions, and why that's really important for us as a church to be able to partner with those directions to see the kingdom of God advance, okay? So that's what we're going to be talking about. So today's a little bit around about talking to you about a bit of an update. But before we do that, I'd like us to stand up and share together a piece of scripture is that all right i don't want you to read but i just want you to stand up as i read it to you is that okay awesome who's got the heart open everyone the guys sitting down definitely don't have their heart open there you go they got their hearts open now come on patty i know you're tired oh good here we go it's philippians it's paul's uh, introduction to the, the the book of philippians and he it's his prayer he says this i thank my god in all my remembrance of you Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Who's happy that Jesus is going to bring to completion a good work that he has started? Uh, At the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Everyone say love may abound more and more. And knowledge and all, uh, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And the church said, Amen, and you may take your seats. I just want to open up this morning as a way of introduction, just want to talk in talk about this passage of scripture for us and why it's so important for us when it look, we comes to the encouragement to the church and the vision that God wants to do through and for us. So verse 3 uh, talks there uh, about this. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So Paul thanks God because of their commitment to the gospel. We are called to partner with the Holy Spirit. Is that true? We're called to partner with the Holy Spirit and go and drink coffee. 
if you're using your coffee to do one thing. Share the gospel. See, Paul's thanking God that this church in Philippi is actively involved in the Great Commission. That they are reaching beyond themselves to their city and outside of that to the areas around them in the presentation of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to partner with the Holy Spirit. We're called to partner with the global mission of the church throughout history. And we're also, if we are encouraged by this scripture, encouraged to partner with what Paul's saying to the church in Philippi. To become absolutely focused about the main game. Now the main game is not Sunday afternoon rugby league on channel 9. Check that. That's not the main game. The main game is the presentation of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is called to do. Is that right? Then we move on to verse 6. And Paul's saying secondly here that God who began a wonderful work in you guarantees that he will bring it to completion. Is that right? If you've responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then he is guaranteeing in your life that he will bring the full effect of the gospel to full completion in our journey in Jesus right the way through to his return. And who ever said that God was a liar? Not I. God's not a liar, is he? If God says it, if it's in his word, then he's going to bring it to completion. And we as a church need to commit, like Paul is here, in thanking God and stepping into the things that God is doing, believing that he's going to bring the fullness of the gospel to you and I. The gospel sets us apart from everything else. The gospel sets us free. We've been singing about freedom a lot this morning. Pastor Rodney shared in his communion message about the great exchange and how free we actually are. That we were able to trans, uh, to, 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 to give up to Jesus from that which we were bound in chains, stepping out of that and into the full life of Jesus Christ. And the beauty of this is that Jesus is going to bring to completion that with which he started. Who's happy about that? Yeah? Two people. Fantastic. They, they will. I think they will, Pastor. One way, or, one way or another. Verse 7. Let me read verse 7 to you. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Is that true? Hmm. We are partakers of the divine grace supplied through the cross of Calvary and distributed by the Holy Spirit to those who are in faith of their complete foundation. Who's happy to be a partaker or a drinker of the grace of God? Come on. This is, this is our complete salvation. And there's a promise here. It continues in this verse, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. While Paul was in prison, he was still celebrating the good things of God. Because he was still drinking deep of the grace of God on his life. Do you think if we were in prison today that we would be as happy as Paul? Could you be as happy as Paul? Well, we're free people. And we're supposed to be able to walk free of the things and the worries of this world. 
going up and going down in this life is, is going to happen. We're going to have trials and tribulation. We're going to have moments where we're on the top of the mountain and we're soaring. Is that right? Absolutely. And I remembered in the, in the first service, and I'll share it with you, Pastor Rodney once came back from the Solomon Islands uh, where he was there with his daughter and, and Petula and, and, um, and, and Johnny, and, and they went up there and they were carrying their packs and they had to walk the, the mountain of Kolkhofa. They had, to walk, they had to walk three ups and two downs. And they walked for hours. It takes the locals how long? Eight hours? Oh, four hours takes the locals. How long did it take you? Ten. <laughs> and Pastor Rodney was as fit as anything, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and I do hear that a couple of the people didn't even carry their, back, their backpacks. <laughs> the old ladies carried their packs up the hill and down the hill. But the beauty of that is I can remember what he shared because it puts us into a visual. Because it helps us understand. He shared that even in the lowest points, God was with him. As he, as he reached the heights of the mountain, God was there because it's like, yes, we've done it. But then they reached down below and they hit the valley and they had to walk up another one. But at the bottom of the valley, there was always a refreshing stream. And someone needs to actually hear that this morning. You might be in a valley in your life at the moment, but sometimes the, most, the biggest breakthroughs in our life actually come in the valley because it's where we learn to drink deep of the living water of Jesus Christ. And let me say, there's always the stream. There's always the freshness of that water at the bottom in the valley. And we've just got to find the water. And when we tap into the water, we're able to live above our common circumstances. We all have these things in common. We all go through trials and tribulation. But we're able to lift up our countenance and believe that God is with us. Because he's guaranteeing us in this verse, as it says, to be partakers of his goodness and his grace. Is that right? So when we, we break this down, there's this sense that this passage is ultimately a prayer of Paul's. And it is our prayer for the church and you here today. That your love may increase more and more. Do you want that in your life? That you would grow deeper and deeper in the love of God. That knowledge and discernment increases as your love increases. And, and I shared this in the first service. It, it just felt like a really inspired moment of the Lord. And let me, let me see if it's going to sit flat with you or if it's going to encourage you. When I think about, I'm thinking about that our, our knowledge and our discernment is going to increase. It's, it's not the knowledge and discernment that we get from being critical. It's as we press into the love of God... The fruit of that is knowledge and, in, and discernment increases in us because we're able to discern the things of God in our life and we're able to understand the knowledge or the schemes of the enemy. We're able to stand against them. No one ever discerned the things of God sitting at the back of the church with a critical face and a look like you can't even move me if you try. No one ever received a spirit of discernment that's called a spirit of criticism. Is that right? And, and let that one sink like a lead balloon for a moment. If you're there and you're judging like this, then God can't do anything in your life because pride has you bound. But if you're open to the love of God, if you're beginning to step into the things of God and seek His face, there's a... Woohoo! Pizza. There's a, there's a sense that God is going to increase your love and increase your knowledge. And increase 
your discernment and increase your influence. Why? Because your heart is open to God. Is that right? Amen. I've got an amen. I've got one. Hallelujah. That our desire, this is our prayer, that our desires would grow to walking pure and excellent, blameless lives in Christ. Again, it's a mindset change. I will never defeat sin if I focus on my sin. The more I focus on what I do wrong, the more I do wrong. This is what Paul talks about in Romans. The more I do wrong, the more I do wrong, because I'm focusing on my wrong. The more I fall in love with the face of Jesus, the more I am pursuing His glory in my life and the righteousness that is mine because He gave it to me when I came to Him in faith. The more I pursue Him, the less I am involved in seeking my personal desires, the fleshly desires. The more I'm able to look toward Him and I'm free from the things that are holding me back. It's a shift in our minds we have to pray for and believe for. The more we, we believe in this, we're seeing a filling and an overflow with the fruit of righteousness. This is what this passage is saying. Who wants the fruit of righteousness to be overflowing in their life? Come on. Fruit to abundance, tasting how good Jesus is in our life. And this is not for your glory. It's not so Pastor Steve can stand up here and boast in his pridefulness. No way, shape or form. So Jesus, the head of our church, can receive all the glory. That is Jewish name. Amen? So I just wanted to unpack that scripture because it will help us unpack where I'm transitioning to next. Is that all right? So keep that thinking in your mind, that encouragement that's there. And as we transition into the middle section of what I want to share today, I want to talk to us about looking back a little bit because we have to sometimes look back to look forward. Is that right? So if our first picture was the horizon, right now what we've got is still the horizon but we've got a rearview mirror or a side mirror in a car. Is that right? Sometimes we have to keep our rear in focus, but what kind of rear focus should we have? Well, if you think about the people of Israel, when God led them out of Egypt and he led them into the desert, into the wilderness, and his ultimate plan was to see them come into the promises of God. So he put before them a horizon that they had to trust and believe in him for. Is that right? The horizon was stepping over the river Jordan and into the fullness and the promise of the land that flowing with milk and honey. If that was the horizon, we come to this place in the middle of the desert where God encourages them to walk and to continue the feasts of the Lord. And then one of the main feasts that he continued for them was the feast of Passover. Passover was where they were delivered out of Egypt and into the hands of God to lead them out as Moses instructed them to by the Lord. And, and they were instructed to do seven of these feasts, different feasts of the year, to remind them of from where they came. And that's what we are to keep in our review mirror, where God has led us from and where he's leading us to. The deliverance that he has put in our life, not the sin that he's delivered us from. Do I make myself clear in that context? That... That the focus is not about the shame and the guilt and all of those things from the past because you've been delivered of those things. You've been set free of those things in the cross of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ has set you free from that. But when we remember from where we came to the place of where we're heading, it puts us into the perspective of what God's doing in our life. Is that right? So we, we are able to remember 
that God picked us up out of the mire and placed our feet upon a solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. I'm able to remember the times in my life where God moved so, so powerfully on my heart that all I could do was fall to my knees and surrender to his will and purpose in my life. The same way he delivered Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt. Those remembrance stones. I, I can remember my baptism like it was yesterday. I was 10 years old when I was baptized. But it's a, it's, a, it's a memorial in my life, a stone that was set up for me because I can say that that was the day that, that, that in my life that I chose to die to myself and live for Jesus. I can remember that even though I fell, God was faithful and he could, he could, he could restore me back. Who's happy for that one? Yeah? That, that I, even though I was a backslidden teenage Christian, when I got married, I came back to the Lord and he set me free and he set me again on that path and trajectory. And I'm able to remember that while I wasn't living in the best place, that he set me free and he changed my life in an instant. That's what the purpose of looking back is about. That as we look back um, as victorious conquerors, of our pasts in Jesus Christ and build our courage to take the next battle as Jesus does again what he does so well. What does Jesus do so well? He leads us by the power of his Holy Spirit. The convictions of his word of which the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Is that true? That's how he leads us. He leads us in this place where we can constantly walk in a place of breakthrough. Who wants to walk in the constant place of breakthrough well let me tell you you actually are the revival begins with you is that right Hmm, you're like I don't know pastor does revival begin with me let me tell you let me tell you something this is a side note but just pause for a minute let me tell you where revival comes from revival started to come from this place of when the church began to sit upon their laurels. In other words, they used to sit on their hands and say, I will not evangelize. When we became so indignant that my faith is about my personal journey and I shouldn't share that with someone else. Then what began to happen was the stirring of the spirit that caused people to get on their face and begin to pray out to God, send revival, send revival, send revival. Now that was an initial breaking in the spirit, but when it stays at that place, God send revival, the church is in sin. Because revival doesn't start with the Holy Spirit pouring out on his own onto the streets of our city. Revival starts in you. It's the birthing of the Holy Spirit reviving you who is asleep into the full things of God that you would share openly and abundantly the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Philippians was being prayed for. Revival begins with you. And as the church begins to, uh, begins to be the revival, then the Holy Spirit partners with us because the Holy Spirit will do His work when we do our work. And while we're sitting back waiting for God to do our work, revival never comes. That's where revival comes from. It's a justification. It's actually a justification of saying, God, I don't want to be obedient. But a revived church 
is all about the main game. And that's the presentation of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that right? Is that, I can hear a pin drop now. Do you, believe, do you agree with that? Revival begins with you. It begins with me. It begins with the Spirit of God pouring out abundantly upon us, partnering with the living Word of God. That streams of, living, of rivers of living water would flow out of us, impacting our community around us. If you're praying for revival, begin to pray for a revival of your own heart. Is that true? Awesome. That's what stepping back does for us. It reminds us to begin to pray into fanning into flame the gift of God in our life. So I want to share a little bit of an update with us. Is that okay? Mm. How did we get here? It's a big question, isn't it? How did we get to where we are? Well, firstly, this is our 44th year in Griffith. And I'm allowed to boast in Jesus. Is that right? Yeah? I'm, uh, Bruno said that one to me yesterday. I love it. I'm allowed to boast in Jesus. 44th year in Griffith. Who's excited about that? This church has been a CRC church in Griffith for 44 years. I'm excited about that. In our 40th year, we celebrated our 40th birthday on the, uh, in 2016, right? In our 40th year, something really happened in the natural. There was a spiritual shift. And it's not to say that what was happening in that first 40 years was wrong, because if I was to say that, then you would think that God didn't use Moses to deliver Israel. And the truth is, God did use Moses to deliver Israel. Is that right? But what actually happened in our 40th year was there was a leadership change between Pastor Rodney and myself, a transition in the church. There was a spiritual shift in that year, and that shift was almost like shifting Moses to Joshua. It's a shift of pioneering to kingdom expansion. Pioneering is a stage in a church where you're starting to... You've gone, well, it's actually really settling. When you pioneer a village or a town and you begin to settle in that, you start to see increase. We saw an increase of ministry, saw an increase in the sharing of the gospel. We saw all these sorts of things. Like, there's literally thousands of people that this church has impacted in that first 40 years of, of its life. And that's to give God glory. And then. But what happened in our 40th year shift was it was a breaking forth of pioneering into the expansion. And I'm using that term differently to what the Bible uses it because I know we understand it. Pioneering, the pioneers coming to Griffith as settlers, right? Pioneers Lodge, that's those who first came to Griffith. Pioneer, um, Pioneer Park, that's like the first pioneers that we hear. We can see, we, we understand pioneer that way as a settling kind of thing. But pioneering is supposed to be about kingdom expansion. So there's this shift from what we understand as pioneering to what God understands as pioneering. There's this shift that moved us from pioneering to kingdom expansion. Does that make sense? And that came with a leadership shift. It came not with a change in vision, but an expansion on the vision. And we, as a church, can't take that shift lightly. What that means is that we can't be content. Content's the enemy of expansion, right? Uh, we can't be content 
We can't be sitting on our laurels. We've got to be, uh, who was an A-team fan growing up? We can't, we, we have to be about pedal to the metal, sweetheart. That's the shift in the spirit. It's about running for Jesus. Does that make sense? So, so this shift happened at our 40th. Now, I saw it really clearly. And our leadership caught it really, really clearly. So then, the kingdom expansion doesn't happen because of a change of leadership. The kingdom expansion was always God's number one plan for every church that he plans. So therefore, it's on the basis of the prayers and the, the efforts and the ministry that went in before us. So we've got to honor the past looking into the future. Is that true? All of these things begin to make sense. Now, I was on the phone the other day. I was talking to a dear friend. I don't get to talk to him that much, but I was talking to Pastor Mike Barrett. Everyone remember, some people might remember Mike Barrett. He's the, the leader of Transfor, Transformations Australia, the drug, the drug and alcohol and, and dependence um, uh, rehabilitation program. Amazing man, amazing ministry, and uh, someone that we're partnering with at the moment, and we'll continue to partner with into the future to see what God wants to do. I was having a yarn with him because uh, I didn't tell the 8.30 service this, but we're going to see Pastor Mike back here this year, around August this year. I'm going to see some amazing things and hear some amazing testimonies and share the gospel, and we're going to see the power of God at work, okay? So I was talking to Pastor Mike specifically about that. And uh, Pastor Mike will, will just debriefing a few things and, and I was sharing how busy we were and, and, and not busyness for busy's sake, but busy in the Lord, right? I was just sharing those things. And he's like, come on. He said, let me share with you um, what God's been sharing through me and prophetically at the start of 2020. And this is what he said. He said, uh, what he said first hit me like a jolt of electricity into my spirit. And this is what he said. He said, 2020 is the year of dominion for the church of God. 2020 is the year of dominion for the church of God. The kingdom is to expand into all realms of society. This notion of church and state being separate is not of God. The kingdom is supposed to expand into every realm of influence. I really like that because that speaks to the vision God's given us as a church. It's about kingdom expansion because as we step forward in God, we're taking kingdom dominion with us where we go and breaking through different areas that are against God and his kingdom, kingdom dominion. And then I was talking to my wife. You know, we husbands often do that. Husbands, do you talk to your wives, please? Okay, back me up. So I was talking to my wife, and um, just in passing, I think she was, she was folding the washing, and I was just saying some things to her. And uh, I was talking to her in particular um, about this stupid uh, fear of COVID-19. Everyone know what COVID-19 is? You heard of that? That's uh, for those... Uh, who are who, who, who not following the news, that's coronavirus, okay? So we were just talking about that, and, um, and, and she, just, she just, like my wife always does, she just drops a nugget of wisdom or a nugget of gold just into the conversation, and she did look at me and she said, well, 
you do know that it's the Chinese year of the rat, don't you? And it just went in my mind. You see, because the kingdom's saying that it's the year of dominion, right? That's what Pastor Mike shared with me. My heart actually partners with that word. But the world, the God of this world, is actually saying that it's the year of the plague. Because rats represent plague. And then she said, if you go back through history, many of the plagues that have taken out many people throughout history have always linked to the Chinese year of the rat. And I just went, poof, again. And it's like, oh, here we go. My wife's just schooled me. And I'm like, whatever. So I'm like, well, it, Jesus, you just revealed something to me. What are we partnering with? Am I going to partner with the word of God, with the, with the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit right now that says it's about kingdom, dominion and expansion? Or am I going to partner with the God of this world who wants us to live in fear of a virus? And at that moment, I'm not living in fear, I can tell you that. But in that moment, I just said, okay, Jesus, if that virus decides to come to Griffith, I know where I'm going. I crossed the threshold of death and into life, and I'm going to be with my Lord. So I don't have to worry about myself, do I? But what am I have to be concerned about? Making sure that every one of you are partnering with me in my faith saying that there is an answer to COVID-19 and his name's Jesus. And if someone is living in fear of a virus, then the antidote is Jesus Christ and every one of us has the responsibility to share that. That's the church. That's who we are. That There's no one else that can do it but the church of God. And that's what dominion and expansion is all about. That we have the victory and now we walk in that victory. Is that true? I'm not going to be ruled by no virus. Now, funny story. This is a transition point. Funny story, right? Who needs toilet paper? (laughs) I was hoping someone would be here because I've been following what she's been saying on Facebook, right? Because every now and then she comments. And last night she said, I'm down to my last roll. And she's got five kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I so wanted to encourage her today. Because she's not living in fear. She's actually doing it in jest, right? She's doing it in fun. And I love that about it. But who's, I'm blown away by the violence around toilet paper. I watched two videos last night of ladies slapping each other over toilet paper. Let's fire up about the gospel and slap some sense into someone, eh? Seriously. Toilet paper. And just a funny note, because Sarah's not here, and I feel I might better, not, better not embarrass her, but I'm going to laugh about this, because I get this photo. She came into town yesterday. She sends a photo of Rapid Clean in Griffith. There was 10 pallets of toilet paper out the front of Rapid Clean yesterday, and their advertisement all over Facebook was, come and get toilet paper. We've got plenty. 10 pallets of toilet paper. Now, we actually needed toilet paper. <laughs> you hearing me here, eh? Like, I went to Aldi on Friday night. I went there to get the groceries, not to go and buy toilet paper, to, but it was on Sarah's list. We need toilet paper. No toilet paper. So I grabbed two boxes of tissues. I mean, who's with me on that? Tissues work just the same. 
I mean, who's got a magazine? Who's got a magazine in their toilet? Come on. Right? Mate, I grew up on the farm. I grew up on Orange Farm. Don't, don't worry about that. Like, I'm not worried about toilet paper. But my wife went to Woolies and there was no toilet paper. She went somewhere else and there was no toilet In Griffith, no toilet paper. Ridiculous. Apparently, I told her the end of it would have some, but no, no. We live in the end of it. It didn't happen. Mum comes out last night. Rossies have got plenty of toilet paper. Right? So she goes to Rapid Clean and buys 48 rolls of toilet paper. Now think about it, guys. I'm not living in fear, but let me tell you something. The key to living in freedom is this. If we're going to share the gospel with people, someone's living in fear, right, of COVID-19 coronavirus. Isn't that a great opportunity to share the love of God so that they can find peace and be set free from that fear. And you and I, if we share into that moment why we have peace because of Jesus, you might be able to lead that person to the same peace that's found in Christ while giving them a roll of toilet paper. Because the church is not just about meeting spiritual needs. We can meet practical needs as well. Let's just not get that around the wrong way. Let's just not get that to the place of saying, well, I'm going to meet your need, but I'm never going to share the gospel with you. The whole point of meeting someone's need is to open their heart up to receiving the truth that they can be free in Jesus. Amen? So while I make light of the fact of toilet paper, if you've got an abundance of toilet paper, if you can spare eight or ten rolls, get out on the streets and start to share with people the love of Jesus. Amen? And then give them a roll of toilet paper as a bit of a, a bit of a welcome to the kingdom kind of thing. Anyway, how funny is that, eh? We've got to laugh at ourselves sometimes. So I'd like to share some celebration points. Who'd like some celebration points? Yeah, yeah let's vision. So let, you know, we've got to talk about celebration points, and I'm going to rush through these, I promise. Rush through these. Celebration points. In 2016, at our 40th celebration, we were around 200 to 220 people. So we track some of these things now. We've been tracking them now for a few years since I've come on staff, and that's because the CRC have asked us to keep our statistics so that we can report them because they're tracking them. Because we'd like to know as a movement how we're doing. We'd like to know if the gospel's being preached. We'd like to know if churches are growing. We'd like to know if we're planting churches and things like that, right? So we're tracking these sorts of things. So around the takeover, we're about 200 to 220 people. It's hard to put a full 100% figure on it. We're about 200. So, so we'll work on the 200 because it's just nice and easy to work with. That was an awesome time of our life, wasn't it, those who were here at that time? And then we saw, um, we saw some growth and some changes and and like Griffith, it's like this everywhere in this region, is we become, we, we, we get people and then we lose people. People come to Griffith, they attend church, and then we lose people. They go away. Or some of our young people, they graduate and they, they go and bless. I think about that time, that first 40 years of our life, and I think about the ministries that this church sent out into other churches to bless the other churches. And I think, wow, God. I think about those people now who are serving in churches that we've been able to send out, and I'm just like blown away of that. And that's awesome. But you know, we look back to look forward, is that right? 
So, last year, in July, so we, I reported in July and December, January. July, I reported that we had 278 people. So I'd gone through our database and I'd got it as close as I could to people who were attending or a part of the youth group and things like that. I, I reported that, the CRC, that we at this church in Griffith had 278 people who would say that they're connected and being ministered to on a regular basis by this church. 278 people. That's pretty awesome. Give God the glory for that. Right? But then, that was July. September, I've gone down to the state conference and they give you the little book that, that's got all the statistics in there. And I had a bit of a read and all the updates and things like that of what's going on in our movement. And I read and I went, this is awesome, God. And then when I got home, it sat on my desk for a couple of weeks. And then I opened it up again and I just felt prompted by the Lord to do another survey of our church. This was in September. October, sorry. So I walked into Jamie's office and I said, kicked him up the butt and said, get these figures right for me. No, I didn't do it like that at all. So we did a bit of work on it. And I was blown away that in October last year, we were at 320 people. We went from 278 people to 320 people in three months. 25% increase in three months. So then December comes around. It's actually January and I was getting in trouble because I got it in late. I went through it and I reported that we were 330 people. And then last month I looked at it and as of this week we're 350 people in our church. 25%. 25%. There is not a church in the region, I'm going to say in Australia, that's growing like this. Last week we had 38 decisions for Jesus Christ. Now I'm not doing this to float my boat in any way. I'm sharing this to help you understand what God is doing in our midst so that we can be not only thankful, but we can partner with what God's doing in stepping into the good things that he's doing. 350 people. Now, I've, honestly, I will say, out of that, I'm actually feeling that we've got to get around probably about 30 of those people and really encourage them. Right? Because we've got to close the back door. But that 350 people doesn't include anyone from last weekend. And if you're here new today and we don't have your details, if you haven't filled out one of those Connect cards, it doesn't have you on it. And there's probably 15 to 20 people sitting in here today that we don't have details on. And they're not in that figure. And that tells me something, that it's the church needs to understand that it's everybody's responsibility to care for one another and encourage each other. And we have to do that in the systems and the structures and the things that God has given us to do that. Is that right? And I'm laboring on this point because I want the church to understand that this is our job together in unity. But I'll keep pressing on. Who's excited about that? I'm really excited about that. All right, what about the, the ages of our church? Um, looking at, at our statistical data... Uh, the average age of our church. Now, 
there's about 45 people we don't have birthdays for. So if we don't have your birthday, Jamie, you're going to get inundated with birthdays today. Um, there's about, so, so, so this isn't accurate. About this time last year, our average age was about 24. The average age of our church. About uh, this time this year, because we've got so many without birthdays, it's saying that we're about 29, the average age. Now, we're not getting older as a church, right? But we just get our figures right, and I'll be able to report that more accurately. But let me say this. The average age of our children in our church is 125 kids as part of Life Source Church. 125 kids. Oh, I can't wait till they all come together. Um, 125 kids. And the average age of those kids is eight. Eight. The average age of adults in this church is 40, my age. Who's 40 in the room? So I'm the average in the church. <laughs> but let me tell you what the average age of the church is in, in Australia. The average age, adult age in the church in Australia is 53. Take Pentecostalism out of that and you're probably around 65 to 70. The average age of the Pentecostal church in Australia is 39. We're sitting at 40. I think we're actually about 35. We get our figures, if our birthday's right. Um, and, and our, but our average age with kids included, I'm thinking we're sitting around 25. That's, a, that's huge, guys. We, God is building an army in this place, and he's doing it not with one generation, but with every generation. Because the vision of this church is actually seeing every generation activated, which is why I talked about the kids ministering to the teachers. Because every one of us are able to minister the good things of God in every place that we are. So we've got a generational focus. It doesn't matter if you're five or 105, you belong. And you belong because God has put you in this place for a purpose. Let me tell you how much the seniors mean to me. Two years ago, I started to pray, not every day, but I did start to pray and they were, you know... Probably once a month, maybe once every three months. I started to pray and God had started to talk to me about a vision that, that we'd had earlier on around expanding the tents, the tent pegs. And, and, and I loved that vision, but I didn't feel the timing was right. You know when God gives you direction, but you know the timing's for, for a bit further off? And I'm, th I'm thinking, okay, so I'm pressing into this and God shares to me and he says, he, he basically said it as clear as this, not that I heard it in my thinking or my head, I heard it in my heart. Uh, what I heard was, yes, you're going to expand the tents, but it begins with your neighbours. And he said, you're going to take the east and you're going to take the west. And I went, wow, right, neighbours, don't think Borellan, don't think Gulgawi, start to think there's an elderly retirement village next door to us. There is a nursing home next door to that for the elderly. Murrumbidgee is on our doorstep. There's not too many people in this church from Murrumbidgee. That's what I started to think. And as I'm unpacking that with God, I started to pray for the retirement village and for Pioneer Lodge. Didn't tell anyone this. Didn't even tell the oversight this. Last year I get an email 
across my desk from my niece who was working at Pioneer Lodge. Didn't tell her either. She doesn't work there anymore, but she's, this was the last thing she did before she left there. And she said, Steve, Uncle Steve, um, we need a church service here for Christmas. I'm like, well, I'm in that, but I can't do it. So I just ran it by Pastor Rod, and he said, yeah, let's do it. And he, he grabbed, uh, what, did you have four or five people with you? And they held a Christmas service over at Piney Lodge. That opened the door for them to reply back to us and say, we want you to come back once a month, every month. And as of next month, Pastor Rodney and a small team of people are going to be going to Pioneer's Lodge to hold a church service on a Thursday on the 9th of April for the elderly in that community. 10 o'clock. And it's open to you if you want to be there. But what gets me is God doesn't stop right there. God, God takes your thinking and he goes even further. Because in Rodney's heart, he didn't want to do this just as himself, but he went and talked straight to Mr. Fox and he said, I want the school to partner with me in this. And every time they're going to go over there, they're going to take a class from Verity Christian College with them. So the elderly of our community are not only going to hear the gospel, not only going to praise Jesus if they already know Jesus, but they're going to get the love of the child as they hold their hand to do so. This is what we're doing, church. This is the vision of God in our life. And you can be a part of that. That's awesome. I don't think there's anything more precious than to sit with an older person and see them pass from darkness into light. And I'm not talking life to death. I'm talking from darkness into light. And if we get the privilege of sitting with them as they are ushered over the threshold, that's an even better thing. And we get the privilege to do that as a church. Come on, Jesus. Who's excited about that? I'm excited about that. Attendance has gone up in the church. Who's happy about that? You know, um, who remembers me sharing when we went to double services in the morning? I had a few people thought I was crazy, right? Put your hand. No, I don't. <laughs> this guy thought I was crazy. But I, I knew in my heart that there was the direction of the Lord. Because if we were going to break some certain ceilings and barriers in our life it meant that we had to step out of our comfort zone and I challenged the music team and they remembered that, and they stepped straight up and into that and I remember sharing this with the church and I said to the church wouldn't it be awesome if we had 30 people at our 8.30 service regularly you know how many we get on an average I'll give you the rough numbers 65 people at our 8.30 service It's doubled. God has like blown my mind. We are, for the first time ever, seeing regularly 200 people attend church on a Sunday. Now that's God. That's God putting a hunger in your life to get a touch from Him so that you can be God, or be Jesus, sorry, to your community, our community. It's not about numbers, church. It's about what happens as we break through these things. You hear where my heart is today? Because you know I'm never going to be settled seeing 200. Right? <laughs> Good. You know I'm never going to be settled with seeing 80% of, that, of 350 in church, right? And 
And we as the church, we get to encourage someone. If you're coming once a month, that's fantastic. Thank God that you're doing that. Open your heart up to that. Lean into that. But don't stay at that. Church, I'm talking to you. If you're coming once a month, it's time you lent in and said, you know what? I can commit to twice a month. But don't sit on that one for very long either. Because if you can come twice a month, you can come three times a month. And then you can start to think, well, who else can I bring with me? And you can pick up little old Joan. And there's no little old Joan in our church. But you can pick up little old Joan around the corner and bring little old Joan into the church. And she could be blessed. And guess what? Little old Joan will be then in your ear going, come on, we should go every week. Because little old Joan was blessed. And you're being the church. Isn't that right? And you pick up little old Joan every week and she comes to the front and she gets healed and all of a sudden little old Joan who's been nannering at you is now nannering at her neighbour because Jesus has set her free. And it'll spark something in you, let me tell you that. Is that right? Am I share freely today or not? And I encourage you? Are you leaning into this with me? Because if you're not going to lean into this with me, then the Spirit can't shift your heart. Amen? I didn't get an amen that time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> responses, responses, responses. Our grow groups, guys. Um, we've, we've gone from six grow groups to 13, and I'm hoping that this year we can go to 20. We've got about 90 people in grow groups. Some of those people are not yet in church. Some of that, so, so you're thinking, where is Steve getting these 350 from? Some of those people are in our grow groups. And our grow group leaders and our grow groups are encouraging them and they will step in to know Jesus and be a part of his congregation as well. Isn't that awesome? Every grow group we have is the opportunity to be able to worship God, learn from his word, share in fellowship and be encouraged as the body of Christ. You sit back there, like I said before, all critical, nothing's happening for me. No one comes and visits me. No one... No one cares about me. But let me tell you, if you're not in a grow group, of course you're not experiencing the life of the church. Of course you're not growing. Of course you're not being cared for. Amen? Because ministry happens the best when things are smaller. And if we're seeing 150 people, 200 people at church regularly, of course you're not going to be able to get that individual care that you think that you need. But in a grow group, guess what you will get? Attention, love, care, uh, pastoral care, prayer, faith to believe that God can do more. You can pray for an empty seat and then you can get the conviction to fill that seat with someone like your neighbours. The whole process of grow is right there in a small community, in a cell. We've got to embrace that. I'm excited about that. Who's excited about that? Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about our financial breakthroughs next week. But there's some great things happening there. Brett, I didn't share this in the first service, but I, I hope you'll give me the time to share this one now. Yeah? Are you okay? Are you, are you all okay? Do you, do you need to stand up and do some church aerobics? Or are you okay? Okay, I've got to just do it. That's fine. I'm happy. Nike's in the house. Um, Pastor Brett said this to the leaders last Monday night. 
we had a, we had a bit of a gathering here and just a debrief of the weekend. Brett and Scotty, and they stood up here and we just had a question and answer time. But they'd said this to me personally in one of our get- meetings on the on the Monday. And I don't know if you're going to hear the weight of this or if you're going to think that Steve's just spruken. But let me encourage you to hear the weight of this. Brett ministers in about 35 churches a year. So he gets to go to a lot of churches. And there's a few of us that have been saying this for a while, that God's doing something in this place. And they said to me, and they said to the leaders, I'm not going to quote them right, but I'll quote what they said. They said to us that out of all the churches that they're, they're attending, they can count three, two, but maybe three, that they think that are passionate about the things of God, the expansion of the kingdom, and hungry for the Holy Spirit. Now, there's some pretty good markers in there, isn't there? And they said, Life Source Church is on that list. Now, if you're, if you're ringing up a healing evangelist and you're bringing a healing evangelist into your service, the reason you're doing that is because you want to spark something in your church, right? Now, we've done this over three, three years, over the last four years, to spark and ignite something that God's not going to quench. He's going to fan a flame for the things that he's calling us into, amen? And when you get someone that goes into the church... For that particular reason, that's going to do something to your leadership team. When he says that you're in this place, that there's not many churches like that. That's you, people. That's not me. That's what God's birthing in your heart. Hunger and a desire for him. Like like no other. So we can compare churches, right? And you know I don't do that. You know I've never done that in my life. But let me say this. If we are not the fastest growing CRC church in Australia, then point me in the direction of who is. Because I'm going to ask them to pray for us. I want to be the fastest growing church in Australia because I want to see our community saved. I want to see Griffith come to Jesus. So when I start talking about 350, you can tell I'm not excited, right? Because I'm seeing 500, 1,000, 2,000. Why? Because there's 25,000 people in Griffith and most of them need the gospel. And many of them are caught in religion and need to be set free. Because they need Jesus. And if we were a church of a thousand, there needs to be 25 of us in Griffith. Does that make sense? Like, this is what God has called us to. When Rodney prophesied in 2015, 2016, that we were to be the head and not the tail, we are meant to lead this for the church community of Griffith. It's not for the glory of life source, it's for the glory of the kingdom of God. What God's doing here is not meant for us alone, but it's meant to be shared amongst the churches of Griffith. 
And when we catch the revival fire of God, and you know what I'm talking about there, when that catches us and it impacts us to the point where we cannot be contained, I can tell you we're going to stir a fire up for the church in Griffith. And there's nothing the enemy's going to do about that. Yeah? Am I talking to the right church this morning? When you get someone like Brett Lindner who's on fire for God tell us that we're a church that's hungry and on fire, that gives me a little bit of a kick. Because I know God is doing something in our midst. Yeah, we had over 50, 50 healings last week. 38 people give their lives to Jesus. Seven people filled or baptized in this Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, walking out of this place completely different, never to be the same. Delivered of things that had hold, held them back for years. Set free. We're going to be a church that's on fire for Jesus. We need to get busy about being about the things of God, spending time in the Word of God, spending time praying in other tongues, spending time interceding for our our children interceding, for our parents interceding, for our city interceding, for our region. We need time and we need to be able to do that and we need to be about God's business now. We're done playing church. We need to celebrate all that God is doing through us and we need to be bold enough to say that we are the fastest growing, passionate church for Jesus. Now, you know I'm not comparing that. There's a lot of great, fantastic, awesome churches out there. But I know, without a shadow of a doubt, we are the fastest regional growing church in Australia. You show me another church that grew 25% and then another 25% in six months. Sorry. You know my heart is not about transfer growth. It's about being saved and set free. And if we're going to see people saved and set free, it's the people sitting in these seats. That's you and I right now. We're the ones that have got to capture this and start to press into the things of God. Paul's prayer at the beginning to the Philippians was love abounding, that your love may abound. Is that right? The purpose of your love abounding is because the more and more you fall in love with Jesus, the more and more your love abounds, the more and more you're going to experience breakthrough in your life. That's the purpose of love abounding. And as your love abounds, as your love increases, your love for God, and therefore Pastor Rodney said it fantastically, the great command, your love for God and your love for your neighbor, as your love abounds... It results in the fruit or the increase of the fruit of righteousness in your life. And who doesn't want the fruit of righteousness abounding in their life? This is the whole point of tasting and seeing that Jesus is good. So that the fruit of righteousness may abound in our life. The skeptical or the critical is going to sit back and they're going to miss what God's doing. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not skeptical, I am not critical I am not going to miss what God is doing in my life and in your life. So we need to see, moving forward, we need to see these things. Can I share these with you?
moving forward, you can take a photo of these slides and you can process these scriptures at home. I don't need to read them out. You know these scriptures, but I want to encourage you to actually study these scriptures for yourself. What we need moving forward, if we're going to look at vision and we're going to start to look into the horizon, we actually need a full commitment to the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Looking at Matthew 28, 18 to 20 and Mark 16. A full commitment to the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just to the turn or burn message, but to the very message that Jesus died in our place to exchange his life for ours, that we may have the victory, that we could live actually as more than conquerors in this world, that we are able to participate with his Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says full salvation, he's not talking about just my spirit. He's talking about the salvation of your soul. He's talking about the salvation of your body. He's talking about the redemption of your finances. He's talking about blessing upon blessing, pressed down, overflowing, pouring out abundantly on your life. And as a church, we cannot... Share the full gospel if all I'm doing is moping about myself. If I am enthused and enlightened and empowered and full of the gospel as it transforms me, it will change my countenance and your countenance and your countenance will change the very environment that you are in. And people will begin to ask, what's so different about you? And that's your Tell them about how Jesus changed you. Amen? The second thing we need to do is thirst for the living water. I actually want to read this one to you. Can I read this one to you? On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you read the next verse, it talks about, he says this about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on your life. So you need to read this into the context of what it is. So you probably need to go to about verse 39 or 40 to capture the context of what Jesus is saying. But if we're going to move forward and see this city transformed, then we need a thirst for the living water of Jesus. And it's not a one sip and move on. Putting it down, never to do it again. It's a continual thirst after the living water. As you drink deep of Jesus... Promises to fill you to overflow. Imagine if this entire room captured the overflow of Jesus. What that can do in a community. Come on. The next thing is this. As boring as this sounds, we actually need to embrace and support the structures of growth. As boring as that sounds... Because when you've got 500 people in your church, or 600 people, or 1,000 people, things just don't happen naturally. I mean, who's going to buy the toilet paper? Right? 
Who's going to mow the lawns? I mean, they're just simple tasks, but the structures actually support the growth. You could load a bridge up. We put a bridge across this this, uh, channel here. We could put a bridge across there. If it's designed to carry 100 people, you put 200 people on it, it breaches its safe working load and it breaks and it brings destruction. So you've got to design structures in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that's going to support those things. And as you've got 350 people in the church, it kind of makes it hard for one pastor to be able to pastor all of you. Is that right? Praise God, we've got five pastors in the church and we've got a trainee pastor. And you know what? We're probably going to start working with another three or four very shortly. Why? Because God wants to increase the structure. True? And, and, and there's got to be the freedom in that, that if someone tries to contact Pastor Steve and they hear Mrs. Stone or Margot's voice on his voice mail, then you actually got to say, well, this is a system or a structure that's been put in place because there's other people that are doing those roles and those tasks now. And instead of saying, I can't get Pastor Steve on the phone, we say, okay, someone else can help me. And when there's someone else that you entrust to help you, helps you, you see that the same spirit that's on Pastor Steve is upon the other person. And the same per- spirit that's on the other person, guess what? Is now on you. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. <gasps> I just quoted the Bible at you. All of a sudden... Jesus is meeting your need and not a person. I don't want to be the person meeting your need, but that hurts me at the same time. Because I used to love sitting down and talking to people and helping them get free. True? So we've got to support and embrace that. That's something we've got to step into. Moving forward, a unifying and exhorting commitment to unity. Mm, That's a big one, isn't it? I use those words specifically, a unifying, because you've got to actually be unifying to be walking in unity, and exhorting, encouraging, building up, strengthening the unity that God supplies. A unifying and exhorting commitment to unity. Who's in that one with me? Come on. A Holy Spirit-inspired faith that takes us into the supernatural. There's other, there's other things out there that people can chase. There's other things that people can do to fill their needs. But when we start to get hungry for the things of the supernatural, let me tell you, they're going to be chasing the things of the supernatural. And I'm not talking about the weird stuff. I'm talking about the legit, real stuff that sees 3,000 come to the Lord on one day. I'm talking about the legit stuff that sees that the Holy Spirit falls upon a crowd and they begin to speak the praises of God in another tongue that they've never spoken before and that that crowd is never to be the same again. I'm talking about mass baptisms that are going to take days and days to do. Like I am not talking about the weird barking like a dog, I have to be scared of the Holy Spirit kind of supernatural. 
I'm talking about a church that's standing up in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is able to command a devil to get off someone and that person set free. I ain't talking about the weird stuff. A hope-filled message that impacts all we meet. Do you have hope? Who is your hope? The hope that he's coming again. Isn't that an amazing hope? If that was your hope, you'd be talking about Jesus every day. A radical expression of love to the loveless. So many people that are heartbroken out there and think that they're unlovely. And you and I had the privilege to walk with them. Amen? So I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at. It's not a different vision. It's the same vision. This has been our vision statement for, correct me, Pastor Rodney, 2008, 2009. Yep, at least 10 years. I'm going on about 11 or 12. To be as one, inspiring faith, imparting hope, and expressing love. This has been our pursuit for 10 years. That means the pursuit of the supernatural is in our vision. That means the setting free of the hopeless is in our vision. That means the unity of the churches across our city and across our state, well, that's in our vision. And if we're called to be the head and not the tail, we've got to pursue that, no one else. And when the enemy tries to rob us of that, we've got to say, no, 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 devil. We've been called and we've been empowered to do this. And we step into that as one, amen? To be as one. Church, would you stand with me this morning? Can I invite the music team back? Ooh, sorry. I didn't share these last two scriptures in the first service, but let me share them with you. You guys want the full service experience? Come into church at 10.30. Let me give you the full message this morning. In conclusion, as our team step up to join us here, I want you to close your eyes and I want to ask you if you want to partner with the prophetic message of Isaiah, I want you to step out of your seat this morning and I want you to come forward to do some business with Jesus. Can you play for me, Natalia? Just close your eyes. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. Isaiah 61, which is one of my life Scriptures, if not my life Scripture. I say one of because when Jesus reiterates it in Luke chapter 4, that's the one I go to every time. But Isaiah 61, from the voice of the prophet, says this in verse 1 to 3. So as a word impacts your heart this morning and you say, yes, Jesus, I want that, step out of your seat, come forward. This is your step of faith this morning. This is you saying, I am a a block, a living stone in the living church of God and I'm taking the responsibility of why I've been placed here and I'm taking it seriously. There's no point spruiking about where God has brought us if we're not going to be challenged to go to the next step level. 
Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. Like I said, as this touches your heart, step out in faith. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Some of you this morning need the Spirit of God in your life and you need to step forward because God wants to fill you with His Spirit this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You all laughed at Pastor Rodney when he sang that song this morning. Pastor Rodney was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. He had no idea that I was going to read Isaiah 61 to you this morning. And while we had fun singing that song that we haven't sung for 20 years, the Holy Spirit was at work in his heart and in his life. And he's saying, yes, Jesus, I want that for me. The planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read to you the second scripture. And it's actually one chapter before Isaiah 61. So Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3 says, Arise. Close your eyes. I see open eyes in the church. How can you hear from your spirit? When the word of God impacts your heart. Church, I say arise. Shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Church, I say arise. Church, I say arise, shine, for your light has come. Nations will bow down to the name of Jesus. Kings will come. With them they will lay their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Church, I say, arise. You might think, how are we going to do this? I've got no idea, but I know that Jesus does. I'm in for the ride, are you? I'm in for the ride. I'm all in. No matter the cost. No matter the cost. Church, arise. Shine. For your light has come. His name is Jesus. 
this morning. Let me ask you if you're sitting in the seats or standing in your seats this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've got fear from this COVID-19 virus, if you've got fear and you do not know where you're going to go if you die tomorrow and you want to be secure and you want to know that you have a Savior and a Lord and His name is Jesus, I want you to step forward right now. I'm only going to make this offer once. If you know that you need to set your life right with God right now, I'm giving one appeal and one appeal only. Step forward out of your seats. Come forward. I will pray with you and I'll lead you in a prayer of repentance and acceptance in God. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed in this house, if you would like to do that this morning, would you raise your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Everyone up the front, I'd like you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. Everyone in the back, I want you to open your eyes. You see, it's about unity, it's about encouragement. I want you to open your eyes and look at the hearts that are out here and it's not as a thing to say that you're not out here oh well is you this is to actually encourage you because i want to encourage you to encourage these people i want you to find one person out of this group of people that you could talk to at the back this morning this afternoon and that you could say that step that you made today has encouraged me can you do that church can you find one person at the front here later on tell them how it's encouraged you to press into more for Jesus. Is that okay? Nod your head if you're hearing me. You see, the thing about the kingdom of God is not that you have to make the most amazing, bold step that's beyond you. The thing about the kingdom of God is that you can take one step And Jesus is right beside you, cheering you on. And as you take that one step, people can come around you and encourage you. And the Holy Spirit just says, yes, my child, take another and another. And as you are led in your walk for Jesus by the Holy Spirit, it won't be too long and you'll be out the front saying, Jesus, I'm all for you as well. There are people here this morning that have responded to the love of God. There are people here this morning that want the light of Jesus in their life. There are people here this morning that want to see the captive set free. There are people here this morning that stepped forward when they saw that Jesus wants to exchange mourning for the oil of gladness. There are people here that are at different stages in their walk and in their journey, but they are seriously before God now, and He is proud of you. Lord Jesus, right now, for every one of these people, as they have responded, they know full well in their heart what they responded to. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray you would pour out your Spirit and seal upon each and every one of them your truth. For what they responded to is a cry of their heart and it is purposed in you and they will see the captive set free. They will see the lame walk. They will see the blind eyes open. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
Lord Jesus, they will shine the love of Jesus in this community. And this church will be a light unto the nations. Jesus, every one of them, you know their need right now. Holy Spirit, set them free. Fill them with your fire. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your authority. Give them a hunger for the word. Give them a thirst for the living water of Jesus Christ. Pour out overflow in their lives. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Church, extend your hand out to these people. Lord God, right now, do unto us what you're doing to them. Help us to take one step today. Never the same again. Everyone at the front, look at me for a moment. It's all well and good to respond in a church service. The test comes when you step out on the water. So I want to encourage each and every one of you. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 people at the front. Anyone up the music team stepped out as well? 16 people, 17 people, 18 people at the front. I'm talking to you. It's well and good to be on your knees and open before God. But if you don't implement what has just happened this week, you will lose it. And we're not a church that loses what God's doing. Are we? So whatever it was that you stepped out for, then I ask you and I give you the authority to go and minister that to someone outside of this church this week. Do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm putting down? It's well and good to stand before your brothers and sisters and say yes to Jesus it's another thing to say yes to Jesus when someone's standing before you and they got a broken leg. Or they're desperately in need of a breakthrough. Or they're suicidal. Like, this is reality, guys. If they're struggling in the depths of drug addiction, this is reality. You are... You are stepping out in the front line. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I stand against every enemy that will stand in your way this week, including your own mind. Devil, you have no right to steal what the Lord has deposited. Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, I seal that in their life right now. Nothing snatch that out of their heart because you have planted that for them Holy Spirit partner with them this week stepping out in faith encouraging them as Jesus encouraged Peter as he stepped out on the water step out step out step out